Thank you. Hi there. Good to be with you. Good to be here and good to be with you at home. Let me just move this around here a little bit. I'm going to start with a question. Uh, just a quick question, really. Who are, your, who are your, your role models? Who are the people that inspire you? Who are the people that you look to uh, as an example, maybe knowingly or unknowingly? Who do you want to be like? Well, I used to want to be like this guy called Tucker Jenkins. I don't know if you, some of you will remember Grange Hill, a long time ago now, kind of a, a school a drama and there was this kind of uh, ruffian-type fellow, a uh, young boy, and he used to get into all kinds of scrapes, and I kind of identified with him a little bit and uh, wanted to be like him. And he wore a leather jacket, and so I wanted to wear a leather jacket as well. And uh, I didn't have one, and uh, probably no chance of getting one, but I had this kind of raincoat that, in a certain light, it was navy blue, looked a little bit. I had these kind of silver buttons, and I kind of imagined it was my leather jacket, and I felt kind of good when I was wearing it. And uh, I'm kind of embarrassed a little bit, really, thinking back to that uh, time of my life and thinking how, how much I was influenced by a fictional TV character. But the reality is, actually, all of us are influenced by particular individuals around us. We want to fit in. We're kind of designed to, to connect and fit in with those around us, and our brain has kind of a shorthand way of doing that. Rather than taking a broad sweep and an average of everybody, it picks out certain individuals. Again, we might be aware of it or we might not, but it kind of fixes on certain uh, uh, what, it, what it might consider leaders around, around us, and we begin to want to emulate them and want to be like them. So I wonder who uh, influences you. And we could look at various scientific studies, I suppose, to back this up, but uh, really it's far easier just to kind of uh, flick through your Instagram uh, pages or look at YouTube or something like that. And actually, there's a huge kind of billion-dollar industry that's built up around basically paying influencers to, uh, to have your product, to wear your shoes, to uh, even to say certain things, because uh, people who sell things are well aware of this process that goes on in our brain where we latch on to particular people and want to be like them and emulate them and copy them. So again, I wonder who you are, who you are copying, who are your examples as you go through life. Well, it's important to know that we're kind of uh, predisposed to do this because we can kind of take ownership of the process, not just kind of let it kind of run, to think intentionally, who, who actually do I want to emulate? Who are the good examples around me that I want to, to shape my life and uh, help me to live, uh, live my life? We want to think about these things. And really, with those things in mind, I want us to turn to our next uh, passage in Paul's letter to the church in, in Philippi. We're going to be reading... From chapter 3, verses, um, we're starting around verse 15, I think. Paul has just been uh, saying how he is encouraged to follow Jesus, what, what helps him press on after Jesus. And then he writes this. He says, Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross. 
Their end is destruction, and their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself." Elsewhere, Paul talks about imitating Jesus. He says, I imitate Jesus. Here he says, imitate me and imitate those who imitate our way of life. He says it's so, it's so helpful to look at others around us uh, and imitate them, perhaps those more mature in the faith and certainly in one aspect or another, to be inspired by others who are following Jesus, who are running the race well and, and be like them and see how following Jesus, what it looks like in their life and apply that to our life. Be inspired and empowered to follow Jesus in a similar way in our own life. And this, this got me thinking, really, how can I recognize mature Christians around me? In other words, what sort of things reveal someone who is, has a certain maturity in Christ in the way that they're living in order that I might recognize them, recognize aspects of, your, of their life and emulate them as best I can in my own? And I came up with three questions, and maybe, you kind of, you, maybe you'll kind of come up and think of other questions that are helpful for this, but just three that I want to think about right now. And the first one is, how does someone respond to personal difficulty? The second one is, how do they respond to the needs of others? And the third one, and we might have, I might touch on this very, very briefly, but the third one would be, how do they respond to success or to apparent success when they experience that? So three questions, I think, kind of highlight to me people who, have, who, are, who are growing in the faith, who are becoming mature in Christ, that I might emulate them and how they are running the race. So I thought I'd ask those questions of Paul and Jesus. As Paul says, emulate me, I want to ask these questions of him and draw out certain aspects of his life that might stir me and inspire me, but also to think about Jesus, because Jesus is Paul's example and obviously our ultimate example as well. So we're going to think about these questions, but before we do that, before we kind of fix our eyes on Jesus and others around us, there's a, a, a key pitfall that we need to avoid in terms of of being influenced by others and setting up others as an example to ourselves. See, if we're looking to emulate others in order to establish our identity, we're going to be miserable. We'll actually be disempowered. We'll be frustrated. And the whole process will not be enjoyable at all. We don't try and copy someone and emulate someone to establish our own identity. Rather, we, we spot examples of others who are running well in the Lord, and we, we see how we can express our true identity too, just as they are living out of their identity in Christ. So we see what it looks like for me, for you, to live out our identity in Christ and the fullness of what that means. And of course, that, that's an incredibly joyful thing to do. That's an empowering thing to do. We're not trying to reach a certain standard or, or, or do certain things in order that we might be reassured that God loves us or be reassured that we're Christians or, or be reassured that we might be accepted by those around us or indeed even God. No, by faith in Jesus, we are accepted. By faith in Jesus, we, we, are, we are sons and daughters of God. We are citizens of heaven. And once our identity is established, it then becomes a matter of great uh, passion and joy to live that out. And therefore, those around us become uh, really helpful examples to us in that. 
So if at any point during this, uh, the next kind of few minutes, you begin to start feeling bad about yourself, you need, to, you need to go right back to Jesus, right back to the cross, and put your trust in him and all that he has done for you. And remember who you are in him, dearly loved son or daughter of God, a citizen of heaven, and then come back to the glorious task of living that out to the glory of God. So let's go back. Let's look at Jesus and Paul through the lens of these three questions that we might emulate them as, uh, and also that we might ourselves actually become good examples for others. So the first thing, how do they respond to difficulty? Well, right now is a really good time for spotting maturity in Christ because we are all in different ways experiencing a great deal of difficulty. It will come in, in different guises to different ones. But certainly most people I know, and I'm sure it's the same with you, are experiencing a certain level of difficulty right now in this kind of strange season that we're in. It's kind of COVID season, lockdown, restrictions, life not working as it, as it normally did. And we're missing some of the encouragements and some of the things that would help us previously. We're all experiencing difficulty in different ways. Maybe fear is creeping in. Well, here's a great time to, to spot examples in Christ of men and women who are running well, who can encourage us, who can inspire inspire us to, to look ourselves and draw on the grace of God for us. So how did Paul respond to opposition and pressure and difficulty? Well, I mean, there's the, there's the whole kind of New Testament in some ways to draw on, but uh, just, I'll just share with you some things that stood out to me as I, I thought about this question and, uh, and opened my Bible. And the first thing that I find is that Paul was open about it. When he was experiencing difficulty, he, he didn't pretend that he was okay. He didn't kind of have this pressure to feel like he was a kind of a superhuman uh, person, that unaffected by difficulties that he was experiencing. He, he was able to communicate and say to others and share to friends around him the difficulty that he was experiencing. He said to the church, he wrote to the church in Corinth, We do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. He was, he was able to be real with people. This is really hard. We despaired of life. Things got that bad, and I really, I need you to know. I want you to know. Mature people tell friends when they are struggling. But secondly, they don't just kind of share it they, with, with friends and others around them. They take it to the Lord in prayer. They, and Paul, whatever his thorn in the flesh was, and he talks about weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecution and so on and calamities, whatever it was, whatever the difficulty and the persecution and the, whatever it was, the, the challenge that he faced, he took it to the Lord in prayer. He didn't just share it with those around him, helpful though that is, and I'm sure they prayed for him too, but he personally prayed to the Lord for help in his challenging situation. He says in 2 Corinthians 12, 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. He was experiencing difficulty, and he said to the Lord, would you help me with this? Would you take this challenge away from me? And so that tells me that mature people not only let people know how they are feeling and whether they're struggling, but they take it to the Lord in prayer. And thirdly, Paul trusted God through it. If we read on, he, Paul then says, he said, but, but God said to me, the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
He shared it with others. He took it to the Lord, but he was also aware of the bigger picture. We even heard it just now, that the Lord is working all things for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And he, he trusted God in the challenge of his particular situation right now, that there was a bigger picture. Maybe that he couldn't see that he wasn't aware of. He trusted God to be with him and for him and helping him, even through challenge and difficulty, even when it didn't change as a result of him calling out to the Lord. He trusted in God's grace through it. Now, our ultimate example is in Jesus, so we're being transformed to be like him. We're to fix our eyes ultimately on Jesus as our ultimate example. And in the gospel, we again see some wonderful, uh, some wonderful descriptions of how Jesus handled difficulty and trouble. Jesus was Paul's example, so we can, we can go and look at Jesus, and what do we find there? And again, we could read the Gospels and find all kinds of examples, but I was particularly drawn to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus is experiencing unimaginable, well, it's the torment of the anticipation of the crucifixion that he is about to go through, not only enduring unimaginable physical pain and emotional pain, but bearing the sin of the world, the the greatest spiritual agony you can imagine. He was about to experience that, and he knew something of that. This is, this is difficulty beyond that I've ever experienced, or I hope ever will. And what did Jesus do? Well, we can see where Paul gets his example from, because what does he say to his, his disciples? He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He told the people around him who were close to him, this is how I'm experiencing. This is, this is the difficulty that I am facing. He was honest about it. It wasn't a kind of a stiff upper lip. He wasn't trying to, to demonstrate an example, an unreal example, that, that he didn't feel pain, that he didn't uh, get uh, overwhelmed with the, the challenge ahead of him, that he was unaffected by difficulty. He wasn't trying to pretend. There was an authenticity here. He wanted his disciples to see the, genuinely what he was experiencing. But secondly, of course, he prayed about it. Father, take this cup from me. He, 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 was, he was in dialogue with his father. He was, he was sharing with his friends, but he was also praying. And finally, he trusted God through it because he said, yet, yet not my will, but yours be done. He submitted himself to the broader purposes of God, the good purposes of his father, even through the challenge and difficulty and suffering and hardship that he was about to experience. He, here is a wonderful example for us. Here is Paul's example and our example as we look to walk through the challenges and difficulties that we face, as we look to identify those around us who can be examples to us in these things. I'm so grateful to Christian friends around me uh, who I'm close to, who, who have experienced difficulty and challenge and hardship. And it, it just, it's a privilege and just to see how those that are mature in Christ and me, who are running the race well, how do they respond? And, and, and as I see it, it inspires me. And in the context of the grace of God, it empowers me. As I, I see them by their lives point me to God's grace, it's, uh, I, I want to I I grow and be like them too in how I respond to trouble. I'm sure it's the same for you. Secondly, just, just think about how, how others respond to the needs of others. Again, right now is a great time to spot that. There's a lot of need. And so I wonder if you, as we look around as our Christian brothers and sisters, I'm sure we can spot, uh, spot those that are really responding well to the needs of others and be inspired ourselves to do the same. As I read the Apostle Paul and, and the testimony about him and his letters, I, I find that he is, an, he is other people orientated. He's other people orientated. 
He's aware of other people's needs. There is space in his life and his heart and his, his plans and his, pur- and his purposes and his goals for other people. He is aware of the challenges that other people are facing. He's not just completely overwhelmed and caught up in, in his own challenges, but he is, he is aware of what other people are going through. He writes to the church in Galatia. He talks about when he, what the other apostles had, uh, had said to him. He said, they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. The very thing I was eager to do. It was right there up in front of his priorities, to be aware of the challenges that other people were facing and to actually meet them, to uh, respond to them. He was other people orientated. He did that, of course, on a large scale in terms of taking up a, a, a collection to provide for the the poor in Jerusalem. He did it on a personal level as he was concerned with his co-workers, uh, like Timothy and uh, uh, Epaphroditus and others. We read, we read about his, his deep affection for these guys and uh, his often provision for them and his care for them. He was other people orientated. And secondly, he, he gives him whole, his whole self to others. He doesn't just kind of say a quick prayer and move on and get on with something that he sees as more important. But he, he stays uh, amongst people for months, years sometimes at a time. He invests his whole self because he realizes that, that actually people need to see his whole life. He, his whole life can be an example. His whole life can be a blessing. He needs to invest him, he wants to invest his whole self in people. And uh, I just read this recently in 1 Thessalonians 2.8 where Paul writes, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. So here's, here's, here's what a mature person does. They share their whole self. They give their whole self to others. But thirdly, he didn't try and do it all himself, which kind of would just lead to burnout, and uh, there's just no way that we can meet the need, the level of need that's around us. And so, actually, he worked through others often, people like Timothy and uh, Aquila and Priscilla. You always see Paul, he's in company with others, talking about others, he's releasing others, he's, he's serving with others. And in this, he can be an inspiration to us, not to take it all upon ourselves, but to make sure we're working as part of the body of Christ as we meet the needs of those around us. And of course, again, in these things, he was imitating Jesus. Jesus recognized the needs of others. Uh, Matthew records that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus, when he sees people in need, he has compassion on them. He's moved to do something about it. And of course, he gives his whole self to people. I mean, that's, that is the message of the incarnation, isn't it? And the, the crucifixion. He's holding nothing back. He's giving himself what people need to others. And of course, this is again where Paul gets his example from. Jesus is working through others, the twelve. But of course, now, post-Pentecost, by the Spirit, working through the, the church, you and me, to meet the needs of others. Now, one final thing, just before I kind of uh, just briefly touch on success, I think it's important for us to notice that Jesus, he was filled with compassion when he saw need, but he wasn't controlled by it. He wasn't controlled by it. He wasn't a slave to other people's 
of timescales and expectations. I'm thinking of, of Lazarus, where the news came that he was ill, and he, he was aware of a bigger picture in, in which he was living his life, in the purposes of God. He was walking with his father, and so that helped him from being like swept away on a, a tide and a current of human need. He worked hard, but he also withdrew to pray. He responded to others, but not also in their timescales. And that is, that is a mark of someone who is maturing in Christ. Mature people are filled with compassion for others, but they're not driven by their needs. As if, and often it, that happens when we feel our identity is wrapped up in how we meet the needs of others. We can be unhelpfully uh, overwhelmed and carried away when we're trying to meet people's need out of a desire to establish our identity. And once again, it's important to go back to the cross and by faith in Jesus establish who we are and that we are loved and accepted by the Lord and play a part in God's provision of others. Again, when I look around this church, um, Kings, I'm uh, so grateful for those that they know who they are in Christ and particularly through this time are giving themselves to serve those around them, those in need. Not out of a sense of duty or not looking for recognition, but out of love because they care deeply about others. They're so filled with God's love that it flows wonderfully out of them. I think for time, let me just read my, my summary of success, uh, which is a mature person, someone who wants to, uh, we want to emulate, remains humble through success, recognizing God's grace in it, but they're also able to receive praise without being mastered by it, and I'll leave you maybe to follow some of these things up in life groups, or I'll, I'll produce a word sheet, and you can pick some of these things up and, uh, and follow some of, the, some of these through, but let's just come into to land right now. Just again, ask you that question, who are your role models? Who are you emulating? Whose lives are you, uh, are you drawing inspiration from? Scripture gives us a wonderful insight into the lives of Paul and Jesus, but as we walk closely with those around us, and we need to walk closely with, those, with, with others in order to see genuinely how they're living their lives and be inspired by them. And life groups are a great place to, to connect strongly with people. I know we have to do that at distance at the moment via Zoom and things like that. And running partners, again, so, so helpful. Let's be connecting with one another in the ways that we can and staying close so that we can be encouraged and inspired by one another and cheer one another on. Because, of course, we don't just need role models. We are called to be examples. We're called to live out with our lives what it is to be a follower of Jesus, what it is to receive the grace of God, to be a representative of Christ to those around us. People are, are going to be looking at your life, looking at my life and the way that we handle difficulty and the way that we respond to the needs of others and indeed the way we handle success. And they're going to be pointed to the grace of God in that, in the way that we conduct ourselves. So how does being a follower of Jesus, a recipient of his grace, show in the way that you handle difficulty right now, particularly through this season? How does it show, how does it manifest in the way that you respond to the needs of others? And how does it uh, express itself when you experience success in whatever form that might come? I'll just close in prayer and hand over then to Eve and Nathan to lead us in worship. 
Heavenly Father, I do thank you that in Jesus we have not only a wonderful Savior, but an inspiring example that we might follow him and be like him. I thank you for those around us who are following him so faithfully and showing us what it is to be a citizen of heaven, a son or a daughter of God, and to live that out in our lives. And I pray, Lord, help us grow in maturity ourselves so that by the Spirit's work in us, we would be people of influence in this world, pointing others to you and the grace that we have found in the Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Let's worship together.